hosting for your tech life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, thank you very much for downloading. This is episode 211. 211. No real... Um no real benefit to that number. There's nothing special about that number, but I love each and every one of them, and I appreciate each and every one of you listening, wherever you're listening, right across Australia. Uh, the show brought to you by the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation and GPS Technologies. Lots to talk about this week. Uh, we've got a couple of great calls, um, which I'll get to shortly. Plus, we're going to talk about computer gaming. Just how big is it? How many people in Australia play computer games? And are they just for fun, or is there some benefit to them? I think you'd be surprised with the research that's come out of Bond University, and we'll speak to a doctor, Dr. Jeff Brandt, uh, on this week's show, who um, will have a good chat about gaming and the potential benefits on, on our lives, let alone the lives of our children uh, and our parents, uh, the elderly. Some great benefits in gaming you may not have thought about, so we'll talk about that shortly. I want to tell you about the Nokia 1020 and why it could be your next phone. I want to talk to you about Skylanders Swap Force. I want to talk to you about the Commonwealth Bank getting rid of your wallet and putting everything in your phone. I love it, and I might change banks as a result. By the time you listen to this, the Apple news is probably old. So, fast forward through that. No, I'll tell you what I think, and you can you can judge me how accurate I was. Um, but if you're listening um, after the Apple announcement, tune in to Two Blokes Talking Tech, download that, and we'll give you all the news and information. Uh, lots to talk about each and every week, as always, and it's important that you get in touch. Send me your emails, go to the website eftm.com.au, or you can call 1-800-157-157. I need to hear from you because you're the people that make the show what it is, your calls, your thoughts, your questions. Without them, I am nothing. Without them, I'm just another bloke talking about tech news, and there's plenty of people doing that. I know it. Um, that's why we're different here at Your Tech Life. We're here to help you. And by you listening, even if you don't have a problem, you may learn something from those who do and the, the help that I can hopefully bring them. Your Tech Life episode 211 starts now, thanks to the good people at Garmin. Well, I'm not even sure why I'm bothering to um, to put this in the show. <laughs> show. I want to talk about Apple, uh, but they have an announcement only tomorrow. So what I say here could be crystal ball. You may think I am a wise individual, but really... What I say could be completely wrong by tomorrow night. But that's okay. Let's talk about what's happening in San Francisco at the Yuna Buena um, Arts Centre, or whatever it's called. I've been there. It's very nice, and um, it'll be a big event. But what we expect from Apple this week is the Mac Pro announcement date, this beautiful big thing that's used by high-end graphics and uh, design firms, not really an everyday user thing. Um, will probably be announced pricing, date availability, things like that. That's... A big deal for a huge portion of the Mac um, community. Uh, it's a long time coming, that device. Um, they will probably release a date for the update of OS X Mavericks. So people running a Mac today, um, you're getting a new operating system. Just a tweak upgrade, but very, very good, if, especially if you've got a, a, a laptop. Um, you should get better battery life from this. They've done some really hard work on the operating system, which hopefully is going to give great addition, great advances in the battery life. Now... Those are the two real main things. We are there is some rumor about maybe another MacBook Pro um, or enhancement to that. Uh, written a 13 inch. Who who knows? Uh, but most importantly, it's iPad. Now the iPad hasn't changed since the since the second generation. So it's been what two and a half years. 
Um, iPad 1 was a big, um, big. It was a thicker version than today. iPad 2, 3, and 4, uh, which span over two years, have all looked identical, apart from the addition of the Retina screen in the 3 and the Lightning charger in the 4. Um, they're the only differences and additional storage space in the 4 as well. This and, and then the iPad Mini came out last year. It is not Retina screen. It is smaller and it has a very different, thinner and uh, different curved look on it. What we expect this week from Apple is a new iPad Mini, potentially with a Retina screen. Also potentially in a range of new colours, including gold, just like the iPhone 5S. I would suspect they will put the fingerprint scanner in the Mini as well. But that's, that's probably 50-50 if I was to guess. However, in the iPad 5... I think we'll get the fingerprint touch ID scanner. I think we will continue the retina screen. I think we will get the thinner, lighter, and uh, lower profile design. And I think that's it. I don't think the pricing will be radically different. I think the availability will be next week. Uh, but I, I don't really think I, I can give you anything that I, that will be a surprise. I don't think they're coming, up with, coming out with an iWatch. I don't think we'll see the Apple TV. I think we're going to see a great new range of iPads, um, and there's a lot of people using iPad 2. I don't have an iPad 3. I do not own an iPad with a retina screen. So I may be tempted by the iPad mini with a retina screen. You never knew. Uh, I don't know. I wonder what you think, though. Is the iPad priced out of the game? It is still the outstanding tablet device. There's no doubt in my mind. But are people buying um, lower-priced Android tablets because they are lower-priced? Are they pricing themselves out of the game? I don't know. I think there is a portion of that happening in the market. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I'd love to know what you think. I'd love you to send me an email. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Send me an email. Let me know what you're thinking about the new iPads. Even if you've heard about the announcement tomorrow, let me know what you think of the announcement. Uh, and hit me up on Twitter as well. Go to uh, twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long or at Trevor Long if you're mentioning me in a tweet. Say good day, say hello. I try. I do see every tweet. I, I, I tr- I'm pretty sure I reply to almost all of them. Um, if I don't reply, it's because I didn't think it warranted a reply, perhaps. So just ask again. Uh, and if you want to have a conversation about the latest iPads or anything Apple or anything technology, uh, send me an email at the website eftm.com.au or give me a call, 1-800-157-157. This is Your Tech Life. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your Tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long. And you're listening to Your Tech Life. Uh, download it right across Australia. Call me on 1-800-157-157 or go to the website eftm.com.au. Let's go back to the phones. G'day, Ahmed. G'day, mate. How are you going? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Mate, I've got some sort of problem with my iPhone sending videos. Now, I could send... No problem to other people. However, the video that I send to other people doesn't come up clear on their on, on their phone. That's right. Yep. What is there any way around that? What's the problem? So basically, what happens is you're, you're just like uh, you're looking at the video and then you hit share and you're kind of emailing it or messaging it to people. Yeah. So I've got it saved in my in in, in my camera roll. Yes, exactly. So and, and, and then you hit the little it. share button, and it comes up with options for email or message, and you you, message, you forward yeah. it on there. Yep. Exactly right. So what happens is when you share directly from the camera roll, um, it, it can't share the whole video because it's a huge file. They're, they're, they're high-quality videos, high-definition, and it would just be too big in an email for it even to, to, to work. So what it does is it creates a, a smaller, lower, compressed version of the video, and you can send that. Correct. If you want to share the real full version, you need to sync it up with your computer. 
So you need to actually sync up to your computer and get the video off the phone onto your computer, and then how you share it is up to you. Still, sending it via email will be too big. You might want to share it on a Dropbox, but most likely YouTube is the answer to that question. Ah, okay, because I'm in the real estate business and I'd like to forward it to clients that I, when I speak to them. Yeah, right. So they, they, it comes up as, as a really bad quality on, on their phone. But yeah, yeah. If there's no way around it, well, I guess I've just got to keep on doing what I'm doing at the moment. Well, I mean, you, A, yes, I mean, at least they're getting the video. That's not a bad thing. Um, yeah. I guess the question is, you know, if you're in real estate, the, the, you're selling a public property, you could create a simple little YouTube channel, which, you know, it won't get massive hits because why would anyone? But at least then you can, you can share a URL for people. And like if we just bought a house, so I know the, I know the theory. If my wife sent me a URL to a YouTube video, I just watch it on my phone or on my computer and that I'll make the call on whether we inspect it or not. So okay. uploading to YouTube via your phone is possible, but while you're out and about, you're still restricted in, in time and quality by the 3G or 4G network, so always better done on the Wi-Fi. Yes, that's correct. But in, in simple answer to your question, the, the answer is because it sends a lower quality version. If you want higher quality, you have to do it a different way. That explains it. Thank you so much for your time. All right, mate. Thanks for getting in touch, buddy. Thank you. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And your tech life proudly brought to you by Garmin. Garmin Satellite Navigation and GPS Systems. And what about this for a GPS system, right? The Garmin Swim. Stop counting laps. Let the Garmin Swim do the math. So the Garmin Swim. Strap it on, press start, dive in. The Garmin Swim detects your stroke type automatically. Uh, a slim profile allows you to glide through the water. Focus on your technique, not your lap count, because Garmin Swim tracks the length, the stroke, the distance, and more, and easily logs your drills or starts new sets when needed. And then, of course, you can wirelessly upload workouts directly to Garmin Connect, view your time, your pace, your efficiency, and more, and share your workout with friends or coaches. Uh, it's got an intuitive six-button interface. Um, everything you want is right there. Sleek profile, as I said, and um, it does everything for you. And then you connect it up to Garmin Connect, and it's got everything you need to know about your swim. So if you're into swimming and uh, swim training, check out at garmin.com.au. Check out the Garmin Swim. Cracking product and amazing technology when you think about what this thing does um, that just wasn't possible years ago. The Garmin Swim at garmin.com.au. Well, while Nokia is holding a um, global conference over in Dubai to talk about new devices and new things, I've actually got hold of um, one of the most recent devices launched here in Australia, the Nokia 1020. Now, this is a uh, medium-sized smartphone. It's not; it's only a tiny bit bigger than an iPhone for people that use that as, as a perspective on scale. Um, the similar Lumia construction to what we've seen of, of late, a very um, high-quality plastic uh, polycarbonate finish. Uh, beautiful screen on these things. The, the blacks in, in the screens on Nokia's are just, just spectacular. I don't know how they do it so, so, so well. Um, but really most importantly on this thing, it's the camera. This thing has a 41 megapixel camera, which takes stunning photographs. And uh, there's nothing more to it to say than they are stunning photographs. Now, there's actually a couple of camera apps. One of them far too complicated for my liking. It's one of these kind of pro pick the best shot cameras. And I don't think the interface is brilliant, to be honest. I think, for a low average user, it's difficult. Um, and even the standard camera app has so much customization around ISO and, and all those kind of things which you would expect from a good camera, it's, again, too complicated for the average user. But the photos are brilliant. And once you get used to the camera application and the commands and things, uh, you really appreciate 
the, the quality of what this is. Now, this is a, you know, as, as always, a, you know, $800, $900 phone, uh, available for Telstra and Optus and all those kind of places, Harvey Norman. But the camera is the thing that sets it apart. I, I, I think using, coming from Apple to Nokia is difficult these days. Android to Nokia also difficult. But if you haven't had a smartphone, this, this is a great category. Or if you desperately want a better quality of photo, this is the phone for you. Now, I don't think it's great for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook because it's just not as easy to just go snap, take a photo. Just, just I don't know why it's just not as easy. But if you are taking photographs for... So, for example, I noticed now with the bushfires in, in New South Wales, some great journos doing great work up in the Blue Mountains um, for, the, for the TV news networks and radio, and they're tweeting beautiful photos um, that really capture the, the, the environment, the action, the, the status of things up there, which is sometimes just so tragic. Um, with a camera like this, the depth of what you would capture is just taken to the next level. And I think that's where it's at its best, where you really want to take beautiful photographs. Not if you need a camera, if you want to take beautiful photographs. So look, I don't, I think it's probably a three and a half star, four star phone only because of the camera. Uh, the screen is beautiful. The construction is beautiful, but Windows 8 phone is, is not brilliantly easy to use, um, you know, if you live in the Google ecosystem like I do, it's it doesn't make mail brilliant. So not a, not a huge winner, but for a, for a camera, this this phone is is out of its league. It's fantastic, and I highly recommend it. The Nokia Lumia 1020 is what it's called. You can check it out. I'll have a full review up shortly at eftm.com.au. And you're listening to Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life is the name of the show, eftm.com.au, the website, 1-800-157-157, wherever you're listening, right across Australia. Get in touch. I'll help you out with your question about technology. Now, we talk about video games a little bit. In fact, I was talking earlier about Skylanders, my, my son playing this this fun new game, and it's probably going to cost me a little bit of money in the lead up to, um, to, to Christmas. But video games aren't just Skylanders and Call of Duty and um, Grand Theft Auto. Video games could possibly be um, classified in a whole range of things, and my next guest might be able to help me with one application, which may be classed as a game um, that I've been having my son play lately. There's a there's a report come out, the Digital Australia uh, 14 report, which is from the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association, uh, which is conducted um, by Bond University, and the author of the report, Dr. Jeff Brand, is on the line. G'day, Dr. Jeff. Hey, how are you, Trevor? Well, I'm really well. Um, you know, some top line stuff here. Seven in ten Australians play video games. That kind of number would shock most people because most people associate video games with, as I said, Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto, don't they? Yeah, well, that's right, Trevor. I mean, I think you know, there's a there's a huge story to tell here that um, we've been telling now since 2005. This is actually the fifth in the series of studies we've done since then and what we've tracked and it's really kind of cool if you look at the studies over you know that period and we've done done five of them right um you, you see the age the average age of gamers go up you see um more and more women playing games you see that more and more people are playing games generally so as you said seven mm-hmm. in ten uh it, it turns out that um now 93 percent of australian homes have a device for playing games and that yeah. doesn't mean that it's possible to play it it means that they're actually using the device for playing games. And I think that will blow a few people away. And, and I think the, the trigger there is we're not just talking about, um, you know, Xboxes or, or PCs. Today, no. um, the mobile phone is a device to play games, isn't it? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, almost half of um, everybody in our study say that uh, they play games on a mobile phone, which doesn't mean that they're not playing on a console or, no. or on the PC. But look, I mean, th- we, I think the story here in terms of um, households and the way we're, we're really orienting to our changing media environment is that we've got lots of screens. You know, you've got screens on the wall, screens on furniture, screens in your hand. And all of those screens are connected to smart devices more and more. Uh, they're connected to something that can play a game. Yeah. And that means that, you know, we're starting to get around, get our heads around using the technology for things like, um, you know, entertainment through interaction uh, and, and gaming, but also, you know, sort of learning through game. So let me let me give you an example here. There's two two things I pulled out of your your study. Um, one of them was that it's it's really is more more than just entertainment. The top reasons older Australians are playing games is to keep their mind active. And the, and then another one I dipped down further was with the complete polar opposite in theory. But I want to bring them together for you. Seven in ten uh, parents use video games to educate children. Now I um I found an app. Uh, on the iPhone when I was at the Apple Store at the launch of the new iPhone, and it was kind of one of the pre-installed ones, so I, I figured it must be okay, and it's called Quick Math. And what it is, is it, it's literally just a countdown, three, two, one, and you're either in add, subtract, multiply, divide, whatever, and it it shows a, 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 a calculation on the screen, you know, two plus two equals, and you write the answer with your finger. Now, I'm sitting there, and I'm smashing out the answers to this in, you know, 20 seconds, and then I thought, hang on a minute, my six-year-old... You know, he struggles to write. You know, he's doing his sixes around the wrong way. And this this thing needs him to write it the correct way. And also, obviously, he needs to learn math. And he is loving this thing. Loving. It's actually opened up a whole new opportunity for him to explore uh, and find joy in doing math. Gamifying. Gamifying. He's learning. Um, And for me who's someone who, yeah, I deal with numbers daily, but I've never really thought to, to test my skills in my multiplication and divisions most specifically. Um, it's really making my mind work. And when you, I remember when Nintendo first came out with the, 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 the DS, training. there was a brain trainer, and my, yeah, my mother-in-law right. was, was using this thing. And the idea of, of training your brain and actually working on a daily or weekly basis to keep your mind active is a stunningly brilliant part of technology in our world today. Well, I think that's really a great point, Trevor. You know, we we think of computers as often being these alien things, but if we program them to help us with our problems, and there are lots of people who are really interested in this space, uh, what we end up finding is that computers are there, ready to go. If we program them in certain ways, they'll follow that program, uh, and that that program can help us along and work to our speed and our capability to learn uh, and to do things like math. There's actually a lot of... um, uh, even spelling games out there and reading yeah. games yeah. that check your ability to actually read words. I remember I my 18-month-old playing on the iPad with a game that was simply about blocks and sorting the blocks from shortest to longest and yeah. watching yeah. a child of two or three play this game. And, you know, this is the thing, and I, I think this is the important thing that I want to take out of your report is to say, you know, it's not a bad thing to play games. Um, yep, it, it probably is a bad thing to play Call of Duty every night for seven hours and never get sleep and all those different things. But it's not a bad thing to to play games and consider them as potentially very useful tools at keeping your mind active and also educating yourself. Look, I think you and I see eye to eye on this. I mean, if, if you think about books and you think about the 19th century, and you think about uh, the fact that they were wildly popular with young people, and you think today, somebody who's reading a book seven hours a day, every day of the week, is missing out on other opportunities. Yeah. Um, but they actually get you know, other opportunities uh, by exploring different types of media 
and mixing it up. I mean, textbooks, for example, uh, we think of as being the harbingers of great knowledge. But in fact, why not have, you know, games that are educational games that can be used? And parents are doing that more and more and recognizing that games can actually help us, even games that aren't intended to be math games. That's right. Or or science games. The the gamifying of content broadly um, allows one to learn. Uh, it allows one to challenge oneself, and 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 then essentially, as we say with the older generation, and I'm not talking fifty, I'm talking, I'm in I'm in my late thirties, but still, I need to challenge myself to to continue to pull at those things that are somewhere in my mind and make sure they're they're continually cycled around so that I'm I'm not losing that that knowledge and that active activity in my brain. It's you know that that that's right, and I mean that, you know being active and and solving puzzles and responding to stimuli uh, in game environments really allows us to be active thinkers. I mean, the fact that, that, that people over the age of 50 are saying the main reason they like playing games is to keep their mind active should be a wake-up call to anyone who hasn't really thought about this. I mean, parents are, have gotten on to this. I mean, in our study over the years, we've looked at um, parents and, and how they, they think, you know, children can get you know, positive outcomes from games. The biggest positive outcome parents mention, learning about technology. Mm. The second, learning about math. The third, learning to plan. I mean, think about that. Learning to plan. How many people have struggled planning their daily lives? If we could just get people to think a little bit more logically about sequences... Uh, than, you know, in events and, and organizing resources yeah. like you do in a strategy game. Well, again, I, I, I look at my son, and I don't want people to think my son sits behind a computer every day. Um, my son gets a time limit. You know, it's very clear. He's only, he's had, he was one of the first kids in the country to have Skylanders, but he only played it for two hours in a whole week. Um, but Minecraft is something that blows my mind, uh, Jeff. I, I, I'd never played it, but my son was talking about it, so I, I put it on the iPad. Now, I looked over his shoulder, and this is a game where it's very, uh, it's very poor graphics, but it's very rudimentary, and it's all about constructing and, and finding and building things. My son built a three-story house, okay, in Minecraft. Yeah. He's yeah. six, turning seven. I don't know where he learnt that, that even the concept of well, constructing, other than when he was playing with Lego bricks Lego, and learning. Exactly. And I just go, well, he's now building things that are that are just out of this out of this world, and you know, I don't it, believe I even had that thought process when I was seven. Okay, one of the problems we have in Australia is getting our kids to love science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, yeah. STEM, you know, STEM education. Right. You know, if, if we get kids playing in these environments, engineering things, designing things, and they're fairly friendly, you know what? We're going to win a game. Yeah. In, you know, the, game, the economic game in mm. this country competing against other, you know, other um, you know, national cultures. Yeah. We, one of the things that we need to be thinking about here is, and you mentioned Minecraft, I mean, you know, the, the United Nations is using that uh, as a way to help villages around the world reimagine their, 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 their built environment for the yeah, village. Right. And, I, uh, you know, we took that idea at the university and actually turned it on its head and said, look, let's get students to rethink the university. What would a university look like? Right. We built a university there. But that's not the story. The story is this idea that all of a sudden you've got millions. And, I mean, this is, as you know, it's a wildly yeah. popular game. You've got millions of people around the world learning basic CAD, computer-assisted design, something that you couldn't do until you turned it into Lego brick-style digital space, and you you build buildings. And then you mentioned Skylanders. I mean, Skylanders is this incredible, beautiful environment in which young people can develop characters, uh, and yet, look, they can develop different characters, they can, um, you know, build relationships between those characters, 
and they can actually enjoy not only the, the, the digital world, but they can look at the link between the digital world and the physical world. So yeah. both of these games you just mentioned tie in the real world with the physical, with, with, and, with, the, with the virtual world. And, and the, the other thing too, and again, I, I don't want to make it sound like there's this, there's, oh, my son loves playing outside, so I'll just keep saying that because people are such narcs <laughs> in the world, you know that. But the, the, what I try and do is always find the learning in things. And for example, my son doesn't even know what Skylanders is really what the goal of the game is. He just loves running around and doing stuff. But, you know, he doesn't mind buying a hat for the character, right? And so I say to him, see those treasure chests, smash them open and collect the coin because you're earning money and the money is listed there. And then you and use what does that, that teach him? Commerce. I'm teaching him math and commerce because he, he's learning that he has to earn money. Sure, and curiosity. And, and, I mean, let's open stuff up and look at it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's one, of the, one of the hardest things to do in, in, in modern Australian universities is to get our students to be curious. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what, games are changing that. Games are teaching people to explore and be curious and ask the question, what's inside? Really interesting stuff. Uh, Dr. Jeff Brand from Bond University, um, a great uh, initiative, a study like this, and as I say, so much to learn from it. And uh, I guess it's the kind of thing that when you look at you know, the, the outcomes of a, of, of a study of you know, three, nearly 3,500 people in 1,200 households, you, kind of, you could dig forever, couldn't you, and, and keep finding data, but it must, uh, must make it quite rewarding for you. Well, mate, it is, and and over the years we've got over ten thousand people in these studies, actually mm. almost fifteen. And it's it's just what we now know is that games are increasingly a very important functional part of Australian culture. Interesting stuff. We we should chat another day about the whole uh, negative side of gaming and and what what that really means and whether it's really there and and all those kind of things. Because I'm yeah, sure there's doing. I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of other conversation we can have about that. But um, let's focus on, on this for today. Thanks very much for your time, mate. Thanks, Trevor. Good on you. Your tech life with Trevor Long. Well, Christmas is coming. Don't ignore it. I, I tell you it's coming. And um, there's one thing that your kids may and probably will already be asking for, and that's Skylanders. Skylanders Swap Force. And um, this is a cracking little game. If you're, if you're in the Skylanders world already, you know what this is. It's a great kids game, but anyone can play it, where these little characters run around and achieve and try and you know protect the Skylands. Um, now, here in Australia... Over 2.7 million toys have been sold because the actual toys, the figurines, are what you put into the into the game. So if you own a particular character, you can then put it on a, what's called the portal and actually send it into the game to play. So if you don't own that character, the figurine, the doll, if you like, you can't play him in the game. Um, over 1 million of those sales were in just four months after Skylanders Giants launched last year. So probably you're looking at around a million of these things being sold in the next four months because last week Skylanders Swap Force was announced. Now, Swap Force is just the third evolution, similar game, running around Skylands, trying to protect the place, do all those things. Um, but part of the billion dollars in sales they've achieved um, will be um, will be driven through the uh, the toys, the characters. And the difference this year is they're not just single characters. If you have two characters, you they snap in half. And you can put the top half of one with the bottom half of the other and vice versa. And you've, in the end, got one, two original characters, three, four, I don't know what the combinations are. What would they be? The one and the two, and then there'd be three, four. There'd be four characters out of just two. Um, so you can create, I think it's something like 200-odd different characters with all different powers and abilities. My six-year-old uh, was like a little fellow, one of the first in the country to play with it, and he, he, he reviewed it for me at eftm.com.au. Um, loves it. 
and uh, the the idea is he's, he's going to want a lot more of these little Swap Force characters. So if you're a parent and your kids uh, have got access to the computer games, Skylanders, Swap Force uh, is what they're going to be wanting. And if you want to sound educated, you could say to them, hey... Did you have you have you seen Swap Force? Do you want to get Swap Force? What are you should you be asking Santa for that? They'll think you're a genius. Check it out. Um, full review by my son Jackson at eftm.com.au. And you're listening to Your Tech Life, yourtechlife.com or eftm.com.au and one eight hundred one five seven one five seven. To calls we go. G'day, Ashley. How are you, Trevor? Good buddy. What can I do for you? But um, just. Spoken to you before, and um, very keen on car racing simulators. We love them, don't we? We do, we do. Um, I've just tried F1 2012, which I realise has already been replaced, but um, it's pretty good, much better than 2010, which I didn't like at all. It's because oh, I think we had this conversation, didn't we? That you, we did, did. you didn't think 2010 was uh, was much chop. No, it was it was terrible. But um, what didn't you well, remind me? What didn't you like yeah. about 2010? What didn't you like? Yeah, the the car just didn't feel connected. Yeah, Uh, it didn't respond to the steering wheel in the way it it should have. But um, twelve is much better. Brilliant graphics. Mm. Only thing is, I'm going to have to upgrade my computer to run them because I'm having to run them on low detail. Yeah, no, and you know what? It's funny. uh, I play SimCity a lot, and that's one game, again, where when you have to peg the detail down, you really notice the difference when you jump it up. So yeah. if you go to someone else's house or whatever, or you see video online, you think, why am I getting that? It's because, you know, you don't have the computer to, to, to display it. But And it makes a massive difference, you know, and it, I mean, it depends how much time and, and effort you want to put into it. But there's no doubt that the performance and the, and the graphics look so much better when, you, when you've got the right machine for it. What... um. Uh, did you only just get 2012? Yeah, about two weeks ago. And you knew that 2013 was coming out, surely? Um, it was on special for oh, $20. Oh, well, you know. I as, thought that was too good to pass up. Yeah, too good to pass up, especially for someone who wasn't keen on the game at all. It's a good exactly. realisation that it is good. And you know what? I'd be whacking away at 2012 for a while, and then and then once, you, once you've really... Here's the thing, 2013... Not spectacularly different from a modern Formula One car enthusiast point of view. But once you've done your season and you've done the whole thing, I would buy 2013 when it hits the $50 discount bins because then you can drive those classic cars. Honestly, sitting there driving a 1980s William or Ferrari or a 90s Williams or Ferrari or whatever other cars there might be, it is just awesome because that's when, and I reckon, and I reckon you'll call me in six months and you'll say, you were right because. When you get behind your steering wheel and you're driving a, a 1980s Formula One car, you, the feeling is different, and yep. that's what you want. The um, did I read it correctly in that you can't sort of just race a proper season of those cars? It's just a sort of no, like the odd race much, with some yeah, strange people in there. Exactly, it's pretty much just you know you want to you want to run Brands Hatch or Jerez, you, you know, pick a car. Let's have a race, and and it's it's a bit funny because you're driving in the '80s and you got Michael Schumacher there. Because what they do is they put a legend of the of that team back into an era, along with a driver from that era. So I think it's Alan Jones and Alain Prost. Now Prost was a '90, but he's a Williams legend. So you have these these correlations of drivers. So that's a bit weird, but you kind of get past all that and go, you know what? Amazing tracks, amazingly different cars to drive and control, and literally. You're throwing the 80s cars around the circuit as opposed to, you know, driving the modern yep. cars. It's a very different experience, and I highly recommend it once you've uh, once you've got, um, you know, because I, I guess I do get tired of the game. 
You know, mm. I, I play it for a bit and then I go, oh, I'm pretty much done now. Uh, and, you know, I'll go back and have a bit of fun. Maybe before a particular Grand Prix, I'll, I'll do a few laps yeah. just to familiarize myself with that track before the, the actual race telecast on Channel 10. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, well, I think I've told you before, we race on a Friday night with a bunch of mates. Yeah. And, and one of them has just set himself up with a three monitor system. Yeah, yeah. We, we reckon it's so that he can see when he's being overtaken. <laughs> yeah, from but, um. And so, so it's set up in a PC. So he's got three monitors in front of him, and the two, yeah. the the one on the left and the one on the right, kind of give a bit of um, um, perspective around the side. Yeah, yeah. Um, he sent me some photos of it because he actually lives in Melbourne, mm. and um, it looks brilliant. But it got me to thinking: Is there anybody out there working on, or maybe they already have, has a, a like a virtual reality? goggles or helmet or glasses or whatever that, mm. that you would put on and it would display what those three screens would in front of you as, it, as, as you look around, head. yes. Yeah. Because on the Xbox, for example, you've got a second uh, joystick that is your head and you can turn your head wherever you want. Um, yeah. I'm assuming there's a control for that somewhere on the PC as well. But Yeah, it is, but it's a bit hard to get going in a straight line when you're looking sideways. It is. There are some... You know, there's there's definitely some people working on um, on on over the head displays. Oh, there's a thing called Oculus Rift. Um, there, there's a whole stack of different kind of independent things, but I don't know that there's one that's kind of commercially looking at just linking up with your PC or your Xbox or something to interact with games like this. I think they're kind of building independent games for them, um, but I can't imagine that it's not coming because there's so many of these kind of virtual reality-style headsets coming that it's kind of the next logical step, but I don't think it's here yet. No, no, because it would apply the same for first-person shooters. Oh, absolutely. Imagine imagine oh. running around in, uh, you know, Tom Clancy or a Call of Duty or something and, you know, just looking around going, where are they, where are they, where are they? Mm, and yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the Call of, I mean, that would be, if I was Googling to look for it, I'd be looking Call of Duty before Formula One. The, the community is much bigger. If yes. there's something happening, it's happening in Call of Duty for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ashley. Well, I'm glad you I'll, like I'll it. We'll look forward to them. Um, I don't want to say I was right, but I was right. And um, <laughs> You were right. I'll admit it when I'm wrong. Uh, and I look forward to hearing from you after you've driven the classic edition of uh, F1 2013. Shall do. Good on you, Ashley. Thanks for getting in touch, and you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Well, last Thursday, the Commonwealth Bank announced they were updating their app. So what? You say, and it is a bit of a so what and a bit of a chest beating exercise, but on iOS, Android, um, and, and Nokia, well, Windows phones, I should say, um, the app, Commonwealth, Commonwealth Bank app has been updated. Now, there's some good features there for, for users, um, and one of those is just a simple uh, swipe to, uh, to view your balance. That's a big deal because, you know, the simple swipe allows you to see exactly how much is in your bank account without having to go through the whole login process. And George have had this for a bit, and frankly... I've um I've found it very very useful. Now there's a few other features in there, but to be honest, I think the key feature for anyone in this app is, and frankly, the thing that um, the Combank is probably hanging their hat on, and rightfully so, is their tap and go payments. Now tap and go payments are these pay pass pay wave. Um, you know, you get your credit card, you can just tap it on the machine instead of swiping it and entering a pin number for purchases up to a hundred dollars. Now what they've done is they've made available a new thing from Mastercard called PayTag. Now, Paytag, you have to register. It costs you two ninety nine, and they send you a, a new little credit card. But it's not an actual credit card. It snaps off one corner of it, 
and you can stick it on the back of your phone. So if you've got an iPhone, you stick on the back of your phone this little pay tag, and it turns your phone into an NFC-enabled credit card. And more importantly, that credit card is controlled via the app. You can turn it on and off. You can actually choose which account the payments that you tap and go are coming from. You can change that. So you could drive in to get petrol, uh, and you could use your, your debit card. Then you could go into the app, and you could change the account to be your credit card, and you could go and buy uh, a couple of shirts, maybe to earn the points on the credit card or something. And then you can turn it off so it doesn't work. If your phone's lost, it doesn't work. And then you can put your password in and go back in and turn it on. So there's a high level of security potential in the app. I think most people will probably just leave it running all the time. If they take your phone, they can tap and go. But in just the same way, if they take your wallet, they can tap and go and make payments as well. Um, For people with Android phones, this is where it gets really interesting. Uh, If you've got an Android phone, the, um, the device that you've got now can hopefully be enabled without the sticker to work on the tap and go payment system. Uh, and it's as easy as um, as putting setting it up in the app and then the NFC that's built into your HTC, your Samsung, your Nokia. Although the Nokia Windows phones won't support the tap and go, I have to, I have to say, the Android phones only. Um, the tap and go is available in a lot of these phones and you'll be able to actually just use your phone as your wallet. I think this is awesome. I think it's revolutionary and it's making me want to change banks. Honestly, making me want to change banks. Uh, so potentially well worth checking out if you're into um, the tap and go and the, and the payment ecosystem. Um, have a look at the full story at eftm.com.au. I'd love to know your thoughts. I'd love to know if you would change banks for a thing like this. Is this the kind of thing that will make you change banks? Um, uh, to me, it, it could well be. So hit me up, go to the website, send me an email, eftm.com.au, or go to the Twitter and uh, send me a, a tweet, at Trevor Long, twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long to find me, follow me, and uh, you can at reply me by just typing at the little you know email at symbol, Trevor Long, T-R-E-V-O-R-L-O-N-G. Thanks for listening, thanks for downloading. This is Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Your Tech Life is the name of the show. Two Blokes Talking Tech, the other show I do each and every week with Stephen Fennick. I recommend you listen to that at least this week, if you don't every other week, uh, with all the news from the Apple announcement tomorrow. Plus, uh, we'll be live at the Asus launch of uh, the new Transformer series, uh, which will be interesting. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Trevor Long. You can also when I look at my public posts on Facebook, uh, tre- facebook.com forward slash Trevor Long. Um, there is the Your Tech Life Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash yourtechlife.com.au, but it's all available. Linked at eftm.com.au. That's also where you can send me an email. Love to hear from people who are listening to the show. Love to help you with your technology questions or comments. And you can call me on 1-800-157-157. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Uh, get in touch whenever you like on Twitter, on Facebook, or on um, on the email. And you can listen to me every Tuesday on uh, TUE Sydney with Stuart Bocking at 12.30, 2CC Canberra in the morning, uh, Pulse FM Wollongong in the morning, um, My MP with Glenn Ridge, uh, every Wednesday, um, um, 6PR in Perth, um, uh, every Tuesday afternoon around uh, 1.30, 6IX in Perth with John Burgess shortly, that's starting soon. And every Saturday, I'm back on 2UE every Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock for a full hour taking your calls with Tim Webster. Uh, thanks for listening. Your Tech Life, this is uh, the show every week helping you with your calls. You can go to the website, eftm.com.au. <laughs> 